Welcome to Book Rats. Uh, my name is Steven Garcia. I'm Alex Bennett. I'm Caroline Gorman. And we moved the mic this time, so now everybody can actually hear what Caroline is saying. I yeah. actually sound like I'm in the room this time. You actually sound I like you're in the room and not back. Oh, God, that would have been a horrible <laughs> joke. So I'm looking, like, right at me right now, like, right straight behind me. I was like, yeah. And it doesn't sound like Caroline is in the kitchen. It's like, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. is not a good joke that you can make right now, Stephen. That's, right. that's not, uh, that's not acceptable it's not anymore. <laughs> well, well, enough about bad jokes. Um, it's your, it's your friends. We're here. We're here to talk about a book that we read. Um, this week we're doing the Tao Te Ching, our first Chinese work, our first non-Western text. Uh, I think that that probably warrants a little bit more context than usual, like historical, you know, situating what is the Tao Te Ching in Chinese literature. The Tao Te Ching is the sort of foundational text of Taoism. It was written somewhere in the sometime during the sixth century BC during the Warring States period, when the Eastern Zhou Dynasty, which is the first like recorded, no like a t- historically attested Chinese dynasty of any note, was in existence. It was a pretty fractured time politically, and there's a lot of war. There's a bunch of feudal lords that controlled various regions. It was before the sort of consolidation of the Chinese dynastic system. Uh, and so it was kind of a violent time, uh, pretty chaotic. But despite that, there was this, fl- or maybe because of that, there was this huge flourishing of philosophy that came out of that. This is when Confucianism came out. This is when um, Mohism or Mosey and Taoism was another sort of current. What the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen's trying to tear off a paper towel. And then her face it, was just like, fuck, what are you doing? And I was a, trying to do it as delicately as possible. You're and showing, I listened to everything you said. I promised I was listening to you. not showing sufficient filial piety <laughs> to our fucking text of the... <laughs> not filial? Or Philly, maybe it's filial. I don't know. Also, yeah, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Dao. It's Dao. It's Dao. Yeah, because well, yeah, it's well, it could be it's transliterate because we're gonna mispronounce everything. Could be Dao or Dao or whatever. Please but, find our ignorance charming. That's all <laughs> we ask. But anyway, it was it was this text was written during the sixth century during this explosion of philosophical thought where uh, Chinese scholars were really thinking about like how do you live in the world? What's the best way to live? Because it seems like. None of the current ways of living are working. And probably should put an asterisk here. The author of the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu, does, probably doesn't exist or is like, it's like Homer. Like, we don't know if they were a single person or if they, if, you know, if they ever existed or whatever. Like, it's sort of a name for this text. Uh, and at the time, Taoism wasn't like considered, wasn't a, a, philosophical or religious tradition that eventually became it was just a single text it was a philosophical treatise that then evolved into this larger tradition later in chinese history so that's sort of the 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 background context um i guess maybe an overview about what the the text itself is before we dive in yes so it consists of what is it 79 short statements. They're kind of poem-like. They contain a lot of, at first sight, contradictory material. So, you know, yeah. saying something like, the Tao is white and black and neither. The, right, the, the Tao is 
Uh, right. The the softest people are secretly very hard. Yes. That is not a dick joke. That is not a dick joke. Oh, but just like, we are not making a dick joke right there. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're, you know. The more it moves, the more it yields, or the more it doesn't move, the more it yields. And yeah, the, like, there's, there's a lot of contradictory statements by design. Yes, I think um, very intentionally that gets, yeah. is maybe supposed to get you in the frame of mind where you can actually approach right. the Tao. Because I think another thing that we should, you know, bracket off is that Taoism is sort of, has, has a, has, there's a religious Taoism tradition and a philosophical Taoist tradition. Uh, the religious one is liturgical and like uses texts like the Tao Te Ching to sort of achieve a certain state of mind and, and being. Philosophical Taoism looks at these texts probably the way that we're going to look at them, which is very, what are the concepts? What are, you know, being very analytic about it, but. But both are out there. Both are out there. Both are ways to approach this text. Yeah. yeah. Also should be noted too, that if you're like me and you're reading a lot of philosophy for the first time, and if you grew up in the West, it's going to be very hard reading this text at first go because it's it seems very unapproachable upon first right. upon first read because it's like it's also not only is it a completely different you know country or like part of the world the, from the sort of things that people would be used to but uh uh it's also very old like within the like chinese canon right it's one of the oldest texts it's written in this very laconic style that makes it hard to like deliberately hard to interpret when i first read it i felt that i needed to immerse myself in it as much yeah, as possible so yeah. i actually went through and wrote hand wrote a lot of these oh wow just to get a sense of it to just to start to yeah be more familiar with the terms it posed and not try to put my own in Right, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how successful I was at that. But I, that was helpful. That's always helpful for me when something is short and meditative is to just to write it by hand. Yeah. Because it really forces you That's to pay attention point. to every yeah. word. I found one in particular that I think is a good place to start. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. Before we go any further, that was like one of the main frustrations that I had with this. What? We've read other texts, right? Uh, the, probably the best example... Two two really good examples would be we have read La Rochefoucauld's Maxims and we also read uh, Blaise Pascal's Pensees. Mm. Both of those were numbered in such a way that one led to the next one, led to the next one, led to the next one. This thing has no fucking rhyme or reason <laughs> as to which one is supposed to succeed the next one. If you read it in order, it's, I bet that's also part of its goal is... Why is this why is this worded here and why is this said here? Why you start talking about Tao and like the way of the Tao and like this is the way and then you don't even explain it until another twenty five or thirty down the road, but sorry, that's just that's like I said, please find my <laughs> ignorance charming because uh, 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 something to note about that I found when like looking at the context is that the numbering it's debated whether it was there in the original text oh, like it might have been okay. one gigantic single poem that would have been even crazier to read <laughs> through 
But yeah, the, but uh, what was the poem that... So then... it's number 38, which is actually kind of a long one. Mm. And because I think it's going to be pretty important to go line by line and word by word a little bit, I'm actually going to read the whole thing. Yes. Just so that everyone can hear it, so that the listeners have uh, had this before their ears recently. So here it goes. 38. Truly good people are not aware of their goodness and are therefore good. Foolish people try to be good and are therefore not good. Truly good people do nothing, yet leave nothing undone. Foolish people are always doing, yet much remains to be done. When truly kind people do something, they leave nothing undone. When just people do something, they leave a great deal to be done. When disciplinarians do something and no one responds, they roll up their sleeves and try to enforce order. Therefore, when Tao is lost, there is goodness. When goodness is lost, there is kindness. When kindness is lost, there is justice. When justice is lost, there is ritual. Now ritual is the husk of faith and loyalty, the beginning of confusion. Knowledge of the future is only a flowery trapping of Tao. It is the beginning of folly. Therefore, truly great people dwell on what is real and not what is on the surface, on the fruit and not the flower. Therefore, accept one and reject the other. And my question is, why is the fruit more real than the flower? My first sort of uh, assumption is that the, the, the fruit is more nourishing, it's more practical than the flower. As he says that the um, that knowledge of the future is only a flowery trapping of the Tao. Like that, uh, I mean, obviously this is a translation, but I would assume that that would mean that the term flower here is kind of pejorative. Like it's it's distracting, It's uh, it sort of gets in the way of... of deeper appreciation, whereas a fruit that like, that's something you use, that's something you, you know, eat, gets calories from and well, flowers what we, are okay, so useless. What if we see that la the beginning of the last stanza, uh, therefore truly great people dwell on what is real and not what is on the surface, on the fruit and not on the flower, right? Mm -hmm. So why is the, why is the fruit more important than the flower? What if we look back to the very first stanza? Truly good people are not aware of their goodness. So if fruit truly isn't aware of how nourishing it really is, the flower can, if, if nature was self-aware, the flower can see as like objectively this is a pretty flower, but at the same time it provides no useful nourishment for, you know, say it only can provide nourishment for, you know, bees and like any other... in sect or type of thing that likes nectar so the the flower here is sort of the equivalent of someone it's who wants to be per, perceived yeah. as smart or you know a foolish person who wants to appear good it's more mm -hmm. about appearance which, which he repeatedly kind of criticizes the idea of of trying to uh, appear to be better or even striving to be better at all uh in in Sorry. Well, just before we go to another uh, another poem, which I'm sure, or another stanza, or whatever we're going to call them, uh, I kind of want to go back to what you said, Alex, about flowery trapping of Tao. Mm -hmm. Tao, I guess is how we're going to say it. Um, so flowers aren't 
useless, right? They're actually very crucial to the entire pollination system, right? right? Yeah. So they're not just appearance, but they are also not the present fruit, right? They're part right. of this sort of future trapping. Like uh -huh. uh, flowers are forward looking, I guess is what <laughs> right. I'm trying to say. Flowers for the future, yeah. fruit for the past. No, fruit for the present. Fruit for the present. Fruit for the present. Yeah. Flowers for the future. That's my campaign <laughs> slogan. Yeah. Uh, to win the warring states <laughs> period uh, dy dynastic election, <laughs> flowers for the future, fruits uh, for the present, fruits for the present. So I did write something in my own um, my own version of this first edition of the book. What I mean by first edition, like the very first time that I buy this book, I'm probably going to buy another copy of this book because it's something that Alex failed to mention. But the Tao Te Ching is probably it's the second. It's the most translated book in the world, second to the Bible. Oh, so wow. the Bible is the only book that is translated more than this book is. Really? More than the Quran and the... Wow, that's, that's impressive. That's, so, yeah. yeah, so, like, and I'm reading it and I'm frustrated with it because a lot of these things that are, that are self-contradictory and that are, that do form a dialectic, they just throw me off whole whack and that i can't understand it but for i think a lot of it too is like you have to read in between the line and read past the stanza you have to mm -hmm. you have to follow you have to flow with the you have to flow yeah. with it that technique of just like writing it down is that's probably pretty yeah, that smart sounds, that, that sounds, sounds really smart, smart. Um, but the one but what sorry but what i was trying to get at is in the second stanza you know truly good people do nothing yet leave nothing undone I wrote, oh my God, that was a cat. Um, sorry, I'm sorry. That. So what I was trying to say is that I continued that, stan that stanza for myself. And I wrote, you know, truly, do, truly good people do nothing for their own good, yet leave nothing undone for others. Foolish people are always doing for themselves, yet much remains to be done for others. Because if you're doing in the way of the Tao, you're also doing in the way of, you know, helping nature thrive a little bit. I'm seeing I, I, massive. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Uh, well, um, I think that something this poem brings up is that there's sort of two components to the Tao Te Ching. There is the, like, metaphysical component, like, what is the Tao? What is, the, like, the just describing the nature of the universe. And then there's sort of the, the advice component of like, how should you live in relationship to this universe? And I think maybe it would be good to ask, you know, sort of off the top, what is the Tao? What, it, like, what is it? What is that metaphysical component? Because I think that, that that'll make answering the question of the fruit and the flower easier. I agree. I'm trying to find it. There was one that said, um, Alex, you have it on the online version, so you could probably help me. Mm -hmm. um, there was one where it said that the Tao is like the river or something like that. It was like a river. Uh, river flowing home to the sea. Yeah, something like that. Or, Which one's uh, that? Should probably have written that one down, but that would have made the river. That would is have the made... one about the streams. Mm -hmm. There are oh, several the... comparisons of the Tao to water. Yeah, actually, why the Sea King of a hundred streams? Is that the one you're thinking of? Why the don't six... you read that one? I have another one, and I can read that one as well. Okay, yeah. 
Um, why is the sea king of a hundred streams? Because it lies below them. Therefore, it is the king of a hundred streams. The sage would guide the people. He must serve with humility. He would lead them. He must follow behind. In this way, when the sage rules, and the, the people will not feel oppressed. When he stands before them, they will not be harmed. The whole world will support him and will not tire of him because he does not compete. He does not meet competition. Actually, this does not mention the Tao, so maybe I got the wrong one. Well, I have one. 34, it says, The great Tao flows everywhere, both to the left and to the right. The 10,000 things depend on it. It holds nothing back. It oh, fulfills yeah. its purpose silently and makes no claim. Um, was that what you were thinking of, Stephen? Yeah, yes, yes. This, this is, yeah, continue, sorry. It nourishes the 10,000 things, but does not rule them. It has no aim. It is very small. The 10,000 things return to it, yet it does not rule them. It is very great. It does not show greatness and is therefore truly great. Yeah, and I put in here, kind of like a river. You know, because (laughs) it's like, well, and it's true. You know, like if you, like, and that was the best way. So we're going to answer this question of, like, what is, what is Tao? What is Tao? Um, there aren't any really good answers to Dude, that. I mean, right off the bat, number one is you can't name it, you can't describe yeah, it. Yeah, you can't name it, you can't <laughs> describe it, and it's really frustrating for somebody like me, and I mean that in the most positive sense, and frustrating, like, philosophically frustrated that I can't understand it, even though I'm trying to understand it. Philosophical frustration is the best kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, I, what I mean by that is that you know, I graduate with a math degree, and in a math degree, everything is somewhat contained and somewhat descriptive and you can use those descriptions to understand everything else they're axioms and they're axioms and just saying that yeah this thing that that you're studying that you're trying to learn i don't know what it is yeah like that right there is like the fuck you mean you don't know what it is well and how can you and the point is that i don't know what it is and you don't know what it is either and maybe trying to know what it is is part of the problem that's right yeah and that right there like that right there like that's like that was like the like and i'm still kind of like Huh? Like what? <laughs> yeah. So like I needed a physical thing to, or like some, like some right, yeah. analogy to understand what doubt what it was because it was, yeah, it's it's, it's so really, resistant to that kind of analysis, and, and it really is. And so this is a, like thirty four is like the closest thing that I could find that possibly describes it's, it. That it's like a, a river, that yeah, because because he, he he says in later in seventy six he talks about uh, that like stiffness is the. Uh, and uh, the stiff and unbending is the disciple of death, right? Mm-hmm. The gentle and yielding is the disciple of life. So like a river, it's constantly moving. It seems very active and alive. Um, well, even if you're going to like, like even like thinking if you're very analytical like me, you know, it's like, okay, so if it's like a river, you know, like if you like imagine like a stream or whatever, like you're imagining the stream, you're seeing that the water is flowing from one place to another place. It's like, okay, so what's, making the water go down that way. And it's like, okay, well, that's current. Current is the thing that's pulling water down that way. And it's like, well, what else is the water carrying? And it's like, well, it's carrying sediments. It's carrying all these other things around it. It's moving around these rocks and it's moving around this, but it's doing so effortlessly. It's like, why is it doing it effortlessly? It's like, because that's the path of least resistance. And that's the easiest way that the water is going to flow along mm-hmm. those lines. And it's like, but why is it like, how come it's not trying to bore through that rock or like that obstacle? Like, why isn't it trying to bore through? And it's like, well, because it doesn't need to bore through it. If it can just move. Move around it. Move around it. Effortlessly. Yeah. Effortless. Effortlessly. And then like thinking more metaphysically about it. It's like, but what is current is like, I don't know. It's like, it's not really like 
gravity, it's like moving from here to here. It's like, well, why is it moving from there to there? I don't know, but I mean, it's like there's a lot of vegetation and a lot of life that's like right by the river. There's a lot of this stuff that's going right there by it. I don't know why it's doing that, but it's doing it. Yeah. And then like just that sense of complete, like, I don't fucking know, but that's how it's <laughs> yeah. working. I can that's, see it. That's, yeah. that's what you're I getting at, right? It, yeah. like, I can see it and that's what it's doing, how it's doing that, you know, without getting into like that whole thinking about it literally from a biological perspective, not, not from a, from a uh, metaphysical perspective. And just is like, I don't know how it's doing it, but it's doing it. That's what I think it is. That's okay. what I think. It's like was. a black box. Like you don't know what's going on inside of it. But, but it's, it's doing it's doing all, something. It's doing all this stuff. And I don't know what, but like everything is revolving around this though. And everything is revolving around this, and this is also giving life to all of this. So right. that's the easiest way that I have been able to understand what yeah. Tao is. Yeah, we should actually we so we should go around and all say our what we think the Tao is after reading this. Like so what our, do you think it is? What do I think it is? <laughs> yeah, you start. Um, I just so, mine, so huh? <laughs> I I think that it's because it, it's not the universe, or it's like not exactly the universe, because he describes at one point it forming out of the void in silence, like it, it is a thing of some kind. But I think it is it is this uh, passive principle that sort of it's almost like it's a quality of the universe like it's not a thing itself in the universe it's a quality of it and that uh, uh it never it's it's always there it always is uh but it's able it's and it's able to accomplish anything it's able to do anything because it is the material world it's in some way like everything uh, but it never does so deliberately. Like, it's very passive. Like, it's almost almost by random chance. Like, the Tao is not deciding to, to, to cause a thing to happen. It just, it just happens, and it happens, and then you, you leave it at that. And I think that uh, the, the... It's interesting, y'all focus on the river. For me, the description that really got to me is the, the empty vessel... That was a great description. Where he, this is in 11, 30 spokes share the wheel's hub. It is the center hole that makes it useful. Shape clay into a vessel. It is the space within that makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. It is the holes which makes it useful. Therefore, benefit comes from what is there. Usefulness comes, uh, usefulness from what is not there. Can you, because um, I thought that one was also very useful too. And I, I thought, I liked that one a lot. But I didn't, I couldn't understand like I can see it and it makes sense to me, but right. I couldn't understand the spokes and the thirty, the thirty sticks sticking out of the spoke, right. and how that empty space is like. That makes sense. How that empty space right is the useful part of the wheel. Right. But that's but, why. That's why I kind of feel like it, it, the ta the towel can't be a material thing. It can only be like a principle or some kind of like guiding force. Because it's not something that's physically there. Like, the, that's why we can't describe it. Is because we don't have any... Like, we can only sort of, like, describe it by analogy to physical things. So, another thing that I do when I'm trying to understand a text that I don't understand very well is I just go through and pick out what seem to be the dichotomies. Mm. So, in the Pascal... There's a lot of them. Well, in the Pascal that we read, you pretty clearly get the idea that he's opposing 
you know, wretchedness and greatness. And I normally just truly make a T chart and like list all of these things. And that sort of like lays out the universe of what we're talking about. Right. But that doesn't work here. Yeah. Cause because, and I think he does this very explicitly in 11, he's overturning dichotomies by, you know, inverting them by being contradictory and forcing right. you to say, Oh, I can't use that very basic cognitive tool that I rely on a lot. Right. Because yeah. it's both the space and the physical things around it that matter. It's the black and the white. It's right. uh, movement and stillness. And so you, I at least had to set aside that tool that I truly do use to understand things very often. Yeah, and I don't know how to set aside that tool. I, I, I haven't learned. Oh, I don't either. I know I, I should. <laughs> and I don't like, and I haven't, I haven't learned. And that's probably like, and I said, this is like, I'll probably buy this book again. Just because I want to have this, I think there's a lot of useful things that we could all take from this years and years and years from now and like go back like, oh yeah, that's what that means or whatever. Like that's good to come back to and leave that one untouched because this one is like way too written in and just like, I have no idea. But yeah, like that's what I I wanted, like when you said like how you need both, it it did like said like how it's like. It, it flipped it in terms of the dichotomy. It's like, it's not a dichotomy because these um, paradoxes complement each other and they need one another in order for both of them to exist. And even though I said that, I still don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know how well it can make, like, how you need one thing to contradict the other thing but if you don't have that contradiction well I'm, i i think maybe the the reasoning is that like how could you say something is short if you didn't have a conception of something being long right, right. Like, like i think all... it's a lot about language really yeah because things are defined in terms of each other and of course things and our language also affects our way of thinking right. yeah so all of our our thinking is very much contradictory or it built on dichotomies and splitting things apart, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what criticism means in like ancient Greek is cutting something, right? Um, uh, but you can't do that with the Tao because it... It just is. It just is everything. Like, it, it is the, the sort of process itself of everything. And you can't split that in two, Right. Well, well it's that's like a—it's a, a lesser understanding of it if you do. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It doesn't fully capture it. Um, and that was okay. So I have a question. Um, how would you guys, with all of this said, and since we have defined it, um, I need to find it real quick. But oh, just one more uh, uh, passage I think describes the town, particularly that notion of a, a passive principle. Is it the in thirty-seven that? The Tao abides in non-action, yet nothing is left undone, right? Nothing is intentional, and yet it does everything, right? Which sort of kind of gets to the the mind space that I started to feel while reading this is that, like, I can't, I can't analytically describe the Tao, so I just have to sort of, like, let it passively wash over me and let me absorb its wisdom, <laughs> right? And then once you get to that point and you become more comfortable with the ideas and you're like, oh, now I'm kind of seeing not only what this concept is, but how it could apply to my life. But sorry, go on, Stephen. Well, it was um, like I was going to like kind of do like something like turn on this, but it's something along the lines of how I think about 
um, the DAO and like how like it just moves through things, right? And you know, um, and how it just moves through things with and moving through them and not thinking twice about it because it doesn't think because it doesn't think right and i'm trying to relate it back to this one but this is something that i've been wanting to know it's 45 uh for all of us i'll just start reading um great accomplishment seems imperfect yet it does not outlive its usefulness great fullness seems empty yet it cannot be exhausted Great straightness seems twisted, great intelligence seems stupid, great eloquence seems awkward. Movement overcomes cold, stillness overcomes heat. Stillness and tranquility restore order in the universe. So there's, and yeah, it's like, huh, that's, yeah. that's it's, like, it's one of those huh moments. Yeah. Um, I really like this one. Um, because it really is, a, I, I find it to be, you know, it's like, okay, it's it's saying that humility, you know, as a person, like being, your humility is your greatest strength. Yeah. Do you How get would, that from the great intelligence seems stupid? Great, just all, like, great accomplishments seem perfect. Great fullness seems empty. Just from the beginning of it. Yeah. Like, your ambitions aren't the... You're, you're, you accomplishing your ambitions doesn't seem completely full or it yes. doesn't, or it doesn't okay. matter. So my question is, how would you define humility from this Taoist perspective? Humility. So I think it would not be our usual definition. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of what you're getting at. It would be a complete unawareness of how your actions or accomplishments would be perceived because you're not even thinking of that. Whereas right. most people who are humble are well-versed in the idea of what most people think is a success, right? Right. They're and well aware. Yeah, like like the type of humble that we're thinking of almost requires a very well-defined notion of the world in order to, to, to act that way, right? Um, I think that it kind of gets to, you know, tying us back to the notion that the Tao, Tao is filled with contradictions or whatever. If you, if you're aware of the fact that like opposites are part of the same principle, then you think that like, then what's the point of, or like that every great accomplishment will, is attached in some way metaphysically to failure. Every, you know, great form of intelligence is attached to stupidity. In some ways, like, things that we once thought were very stupid became very intelligent, right? Like, you know, Copernicus or whatever, right? Um, And the the Tao describes that process, right? So humility would almost necessarily have to be related to uh, arrogance, right? Like, in some way, it would have to be connected, in the way we usually think. In of the it. way we yeah. usually think, and I think like when like and if we go back to the very first one, like number one, you know, like ever desireless, you know, and I'm skipping through and I'm seeing and I'm just making like a few lines down, you know, ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one can see the manifestation. These two from the same source but differ in name. This appears as darkness, darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. It's right. like. If you almost have some sort of ambition, external ambition, you know, like for your own right, external yeah. success, that's 
like completely against what the Tao is about. Right. Yeah. And it makes no sense how you can like how like why shouldn't you be ambitious? Right. To, and I and I think I'm not even thinking of ambition. I Just think like yeah, striving I, to do anything. Yeah, yeah, striving to do something. Yeah. Seems almost contradictory in yeah. this format. To, to, yeah, because in that those last couple lines when he says this appears as darkness darkness within darkness the gate to all mystery that's not a negative like he's not saying that that darkness is bad it's almost like it's a good thing you should embrace the fact that you're blind to in some way to to the functioning of the Tao, and that mystery in this sense has maybe more of a positive connotation that's how i read it so i i think you're right and maybe i'm just kind of a tryhard in general but is it passive? Not the Tao, but us trying to get there. There's this, that one passage where he says that the way of the Tao is relinquishing something every day, mm-hmm. whereas knowledge is gaining something every day. Right. Mm-hmm. What is that relinquishing? Is it passive completely? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. There, uh, this this does get into the 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 sort of second you know component of the text, which is how do you live with the Tao, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, there are a few you know poems that I think are are pretty relevant to that question. Um, I think forty seven, where it's talking about without going outside, you may know the whole world. Without looking through the window, you may see the, see the ways of heaven. The farther you go, the less you know. Thus, the, the sage knows without traveling, he sees without looking, he works without doing. There seems to be an element of passivity there. And perhaps passivity is the wrong word. Like, even to say that is maybe right. too immersed in dichotomies of action, action and uh, passiveness. Yeah, because the, the Tao can do anything. It can, it, like, in terms of action, it can... But but he does say that it has a principle of non-action at one. It, he does the, say that. The, yeah. Tao, the Tao abides in non-action, yet nothing is left undone. So it does things, but they're not actions. So what is the point of talking about it? And mm-hmm. I ask this because he says at the very beginning, words cannot measure the Tao. Right. Yeah. Here we have a book <laughs> of words that yeah. we're talking about. I think I got something out of reading this. Yes. But we're, but we're talking, but like, <laughs> like how is it not self-defeating? Not quite that harsh. I don't think it's, you know, uh, if it can't be talked about, it's trash. I don't think that, I guess right. I'm more wondering if there's like a lesser stage that we're all at where thinking about it is helpful. You know, this right, thing yeah. about overcoming opposites and, trying to think without dichotomies, but maybe I'm just so far away from the Tao that I have no idea what I'm doing. Right, yeah. C- certainly, it does not seem like the Tao is is big on being extra or, or <laughs> trying hard in any way. That is not us, by the way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very in, not us. In, like, for, in 29, it just he's like, do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? I do not believe it can be done. Like, if you try to change it, you will ruin it. If you try to hold it, you will lose it. Therefore, the sage avoids extremes, excesses, and complacency. Also in there, so sometimes things are ahead, sometimes they are behind, sometimes breathing is hard, sometimes it comes easily. Just like, eh, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. I think but it's like, it's like... How about just like, sometimes? 
Sometimes, yeah. Just sometimes, <laughs> like, it, in a way, it does seem very powerless. Like, it's almost like the first stage of reconciling yourself to the Tao is that you really don't have any power over it. Intellectually, physically, like, you are you are in... in Submission almost seems like too much of a dichotomy, but like it is so above you and so beyond your consciousness that that you're limited in some way. So it's in in, 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 in it, sorry, go on. It almost seems like you're submitting yourself to letting go. Yeah, which letting go is a much better <laughs> thing than submission. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's more of a. a better way of describing is that you have to let go but you also have to recognize what you're letting go mm-hmm. does that make so sense so it takes the work to be aware of what you're letting go i think so i mean look at 28 for example i mean know the strength of a man but keep but keep a woman's care be the str- be the stream of the universe be the stream of the, of the universe ever true and unanswered and unswerving become as a little child once more Know the white, but keep the black. Be an example to the world. Be an example to the world, ever true and unwavering. Return to the infinite. No honor, yet remain humble. Be the value of the universe. Being the value of the universe, ever true and resourceful, return to the state of the uncarved block. When the block is carved, it becomes useful. When the wise use it, they become rulers. Thus, a great tailor makes few cuts. So once you know these two, once you see these two extremes and realize that they don't live in paradox to one another. Once you see the unity underlying them. Once you see the the unity underlying them, that's what truly brings them together. I like think yes I I think you're right (laughs) and I like that you pointed to this one because there's a current in this entire book that we haven't mentioned yet which is that some of this seems like very practical advice for rulers yeah there's there's a lot of like you know keep your people dumb (laughs) (laughs) yeah no yeah and it says like like uh oh it's like in the 50s or something like that we're like you know a good nation, like ruling a good nation is like, you know, carving a simple fish or something right, like that, yeah, you yeah. know, or carving a small fish. Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's weirdly practical. Yeah. It's and like, it's just like, ah. yeah, that, that's why I feel like there is a, a lot of metaphysics in this, but I think part, because part of the lesson is like, you know, you can't metaphysically describe the Tao. It necessarily follows that, that the point of this text is, is sort of like an instruction book for life. Uh, it's just the only way you can access that kind of instructions. You have to let go of certain things that have defined your life up to this point. I like the in eighteen when he's he's describing like when you when the when the Tao was forgotten. That's when kindness and morality arise because we needed kindness and morality mm-hmm. because those artificial structures were needed because we had you know lost this pure state. And then when uh, uh, wisdom and intelligence are born, the great pretense begins. You know, that's uh, uh, the further we go from the Tao, right? Like when the country is confused and in chaos, loyal ministers appear. Like you need ministers when there's chaos. Right. Right. Yeah. You need rules about filial piety only when people aren't behaving right. with yeah. filial <laughs> affection. Yes. Yeah. So it is practical. Yeah. 
it does offer somewhat, you know, tips for living. Yes. Um, and yet it is also very hard to put into words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, not something that's easy to talk about. I, don't know, I guess I'm floundering yeah. because it's it's weird that it does both those I mean, things. But I, I think that what I like about it, though, is I like how challenging it is for us that we can't understand something that is so clearly written. You know, right. that is something that I, I mean, aside from, you know, opening up, you know, the critique of pure reason and knowing all the words that are inside that book, but not knowing how any of those sentences make sense. You know, this is written in a much simpler way, yet everything seems to contradict everything in a way that makes me so angry that I can't even understand why I'm getting so mad at a tiny little book. But you're pointing out something very interesting that it, I just realized goes unaddressed in this entire thing, and mm -hmm. that's curiosity, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. this text makes us maybe intellectually frustrated, but also curious. I found myself coming back to it repeatedly, like long after I was prepared for what right, we're doing yeah. here, because I just, I felt like I could get a little bit more and maybe get a little more understanding. Right, yeah. And I would call that push curiosity. And it yeah. seems beneficial right, in this right, context. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's where the source of my frustration comes from is because I feel like I'm not, understanding something that I should be getting from the text. At the same time, I also feel like this does fall in the realm of whatever books that we're reading that are timeless, because I feel like I could pick this up next year and it'll still be applicable next year. I can pick it up 30 years from now and it'll still be applicable 30 years from now, but probably in a very different light than what it is and how it is applicable to me currently. Well, and like the casual, the easy answer to that is, oh, that's just the ambiguity. Right. Yeah. But, but that's not it. Like there's really yourself. something no, yeah, here. There's something like, here. Yeah. like there's something here that you can learn from even just right now. Like the thing that I thought about was, you know, as we progress through with this podcast, because I really do want to release this episode. This is actually a really cool one. <laughs> um, as we progress through and just for me and understanding how to read these books for the first time, these very intellectually challenging books for the first time, what if it might very well be beneficial to just letting go and just reading these books sometimes and just, you know, going... Not, not even trying to analyze them. Not just even like... trying to analyze and just letting it flow through and just seeing if that works and just being like, this is what it says and it says what it says. I don't know how that makes sense to me. That's probably Tao or whatever, but that makes sense to me. It's like, just read it and it's okay to still question and understand it. But as you're questioning, like move with your questions, move with your doubts, move with them yeah. instead of just like stopping and not understanding. I guess yeah. that's something that I was having yeah. trouble. Like it's okay to have those, even though he says otherwise, I think it's okay to have those feelings because that means that you're still... I think yeah. if you're making yourself, forcing yourself to be comfortable with doubt and uncertainty, which yeah. you have to, to read this book, right? Yeah, I, I think that is a good thing. The, there is a, a quote that's very relevant to that in 71, uh, knowing ignorance is strength, ignoring kind or ignoring knowledge is sickness. Knowing ignorance is strength, 
ignoring knowledge is sickness. That's why, please find this charming, people, because we have no idea what we're doing. Um, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what does the second part mean? Ignoring if, knowledge is sickness. What's knowledge? Uh, ignoring knowledge. Uh, yeah, what's knowledge? What's knowledge? Well, I, I think that the, the point of that <laughs> dichotomy is that there is a sort of like active way of going about ignorance. There is sort of like a a, a way of engaging not knowing in a way that's 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 not just turning away from the pursuit of knowledge and so on. Like there's a right. way to do it so that you're moving closer to the Tao and you're not just being stupid, right? You're not just right. being like you're not. I mean, ignoring knowledge suggests that you're actively turning away from it, right. which would be someone that even if they weren't like a philosopher, that they lived their life in these kinds of contradictions that the Tao supposedly is kind of liberates us from, right? Or understanding the Tao allows us to, to distance ourselves from. And that that would be ignoring the knowledge of the Tao. But obviously, if you try to learn about it more, you know, you, you're just learning how little you know or how you're learning the limits of your own rational capabilities in a way. So I like that like dichotomy of no knowing ignorance is different from ignoring knowledge. I do like that. So that that also implies that there's a bad way of going about obtaining knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. What is it? What is the what is the bad way, bad way of obtaining knowledge of trying to learn? I think it's I think the bad way of obtaining knowledge is going in as if you know something about the subject. So arrogance. 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 With regards to it, it's going... I mean, yeah, you, you, you have to go against it and that your immediate thought is, you know, that you've heard superfluously about, you know, say, pears. Um, I'm only saying that because there's literally a box of pears right next to me. And... You go into it thinking that you know all that there is about pears and all this stuff. And from everything that you've heard described to you about pears, you are completely re revolted by it. And then somebody finally offers you a pear to eat, and then you eat it expecting that it's going to taste like shit. And then sure enough, it, it doesn't. awful. <laughs> it tastes yeah, awful. we all hate pears. We all hate pears. <laughs> but it doesn't taste, it doesn't taste awful. It, it it's an enjoyable thing. right yeah and so you have evidence in front of you that you yeah. should not ignore in favor of what yeah. you think you know right is go, that, go is that the, yeah it's was kind that of something like, like that or was, was i right about that or I, oh no i think i feel I, yeah right. i feel like you know to, to, to just you know break it down it's going with the flow it's not trying to do anything necessarily and uh um uh, I have I just have a hard time with like the whole thing of not trying, like that's not like that like. Sorry, no, that's just something that I that I struggled with a lot with reading this book is that if you don't try, you'll actually be a lot more successful. Well, because you don't care about success. Because anymore. you don't care about success, but it's like, but if I don't try and if I don't actively put in the effort, then how then, how will I know that I have achieved what I wanted to achieve. Well, I don't think you should want to achieve anything. That's, yeah. And that's where I'm getting hard, fucking right? lost. Right. So I like, just... we, we made, we mentioned doubt and uncertainty. Uh -huh. And I like that because it takes effort to maintain a position of doubt 
or right, questioning. Yeah, your brain naturally wants to have that certainty. Like right. it's uncomfortable to be in a state of contradiction. So it does take some effort to remain in a state of not of, of not choosing, of not siding with either of the dichotomies. It's like the effort it yeah. takes to not, uh, you know, find a confirmation bias when you're, you know, looking to solve a question or answer yeah. a question. So this is what I was, this is my question now. I feel like I am misinterpreting what he is saying by effort and by saying not trying. I don't think I'm interpreting that correctly. So I think you should, like, if you have, you know, if all of nature works for nature, you know, like, B certainly does have an ambition to go and take the pollen from this flower. I mean, at the same time, it knows that it, like, it doesn't have any cognition that it needs to do this, you know, for its own self-pleasure, just know that it has to do this. It has goals. It has B goals. B has goals. But yeah. we are a, we are past that and we are aware of our place in the universe we are aware that we are the we are the superior being on this planet so with that said how do we in this in the term of in this book how do we define human effort because each one of us are different and if each one of us is trying to live in the way of the Tao, right and if we are all trying to move with this river as it is going through you know each like not everybody's going to want to flow necessarily in the same way because rivers don't flow that way all the time so are you saying it might look different for everyone their path for following the Tao? that and just how do you define like how do you because it just seems like if we're all supposed to do it this way right you know, like, what is the end goal supposed to look like? How are you, what is your contribution to the Tao versus his contribution to the Tao? What is my contribution, like, is my... I don't think we're, like, I think this is maybe even, I I think this is a way of thinking that doesn't necessarily fit there. The idea that you're trying to build something... Yeah, there's no building on the Tao. Yeah, for an ultimate end goal. Yeah, like Whatever he even says, is. if you try to change the universe or make it better, you're going to ruin it. Like you're like, yeah, then it's I'm just not there. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that uh, uh, I have no idea. You know, the provenance of this, but it feels like a lot of these uh, concepts we see in like pop psychology of like flow and mindfulness and things like that almost have a kind of Taoist echo to them, right? Which is like detaching yourself from your motivations. Uh, not not trying to do anything, but just sort of like living in a, in a I don't know, in a, in a flow state. In a flow state. What is sort of like how you're supposed to always be living in, in Taoist philosophy. And people who are living the truly Taoist life still do things. They, in some ways, accomplish a lot. That was in the first poem that we read. Uh, the truly good people do nothing, yet they leave nothing undone. So they're having an effect in some way. How do you know what you're supposed to be doing, though? Uh, this, so not to do a plug, but this is why we really should read the Zhuangzi, because it is a, a later Taoist text 
uh, that's all like narrative stories. They're all like short stories that embody Taoist themes and like, because we're reading, this is, you know, a philosophical poetic text. It's very dense and metaphysical. I mean, for a future episode, we should probably. Yeah, that's, that, that see, sounds like, like we should. I have a thought though, based on what we read right, here yeah. about what, what should we do? How do we do it? Yeah. It seems to me like he talks a lot about changing your way of thinking. We've already talked about overcoming dichotomies, but he also talks a lot about stripping away the part of you that cares about what society thinks. At least mm. I infer that from how often he talks about, you know, put away caring for knowledge. Don't try to be good. I think a lot of that is about trying to fit an image right. or being aware of yourself as like fitting into society and where you stand and status. So those are two things you could try to get rid of, mm -hmm. you know, black and white dichotomous thinking and social standing thinking that I think would help that would put you somewhat on this path. Those aren't really things you do though. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it seems like asking those types of questions are impossible for a text like this. Like, what should I do? It's like, well... Well, and it's not so much... It's not, like, I guess, you know, I'm not asking, like, explicitly, like, what each person's role in society is. I'm asking, you know, how do you... How do you find work living a Taoist life? How does... How do you each... How does... How do the three of us find an individual job to do like if we each have three individual jobs how do we all do that while f moving in the way of the Tao how do you do that in a society how like ours that? that is premised that? on yeah on effort a, well not even like yeah not even premise on effort but like how do you do that you know in a human ecosystem where you have you know humans aren't vegetables you know we can't exist in the way of nature the way that a bear exists how do we, how do humans exist amongst one another, all striving towards the Tao, all striving towards the way? How do we all form a society where this is possible without, you know, and I mean, if we all, I mean, yes, living simply, that's true. And, you know, we are like, and you've even mentioned it before that how a ruler should lead his nation as if he was carving a simple fish. I don't have to answer. <laughs> I don't answer. Uh, Alex just raised his hand. Just raised his hand. I actually do have something. Uh, because I, I don't think that... that and you did that, it, and you know, like, we're like, hey. Yeah. Like, way yeah. too. But that's actually a nice stretch, though. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that that question doesn't necessarily have an answer, but on a completely random tangent, um, did you know that the Taoists... Uh, Taoist men in particular practice something called retrograde ejaculation. It was a. Does that mean it goes that, inside of myself? Yeah. yeah it, instead of it goes out, it goes in. Uh, what? It's, it's an actual thing. Uh, <laughs> so now you have to explain the mechanics. Yeah, it's wood. How do I do this? I uh, want to learn how to do this. It's just. Are so you I, sure? We don't even know. <laughs> it's redirected to the urinary bladder. Uh, so, so it it goes in. Um, I am actually like deeply uncomfortable reading this. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, we can uh, just uh, let it. No, but, but... Ooh, yeah. It's, I really hate the. I really hate the word urethra. Um, but but they did they did it because they didn't want to lose their essence. But that, but that's also kind of the thing is we're you know we're we're reading the earliest Taoist texts with all of these questions of like how do you live how do you organize a society by Taoist principles come inside yourself all yeah like like they were all cloudy and and like there wasn't even really Taoism it was a guy wrote guy or maybe multiple guys wrote this a lot of uh, like Chinese. Uh, landscape painting movements were influenced by Taoism. You know, it's like. But our question isn't what is Taoism like as a whole, or our question right, is yeah, yeah. in this book we read. In this book we read, yeah. What do we think it is, and where does it lead? Right. Yeah, where does it lead? That's where. That's my question. If we all, if the three of us decide to live, if we all decide to form, the three of us decide, like you know, fuck society. Taoist we're going to move cult. in a... Yeah, we're going to form this Taoist cult. Separatist organization. How do we, for lack of a better term, you know, since now I'm thinking this way, how do we thrive as a community and not die? Like, that's probably like a not die but live a healthy life. Yeah. You know, how do you do that? How do the three of us do that in a way where... They yeah. see what we're doing, they want, and it, instead of the three, it turns into like a hundred or a thousand. How do we all do this and living in the way of the Tao, knowing that our human environment is completely separate from the way that we interact with the earth? I mean, is is there a way to live like a bee would? I mean, a bee provides for itself, it has its work that it does, right, yeah. it meets its needs. Is there a way you can do that as a human, work just enough to meet your needs and no more? It is tricky to right, define yeah. your needs, right? Like needs are ever growing, ever multiplying. Yeah. But it seems to me that by analogy, it's at least possible. It like, almost feels like it would be kind of a, like have a comedic relation to life. You know, like that's what I imagine of someone who's like a, a perfect Taoist would be just like laughing at absurdities or laughing at themselves or like laughter is such a disarming de-escalating feeling that sort of distances you from what you might feel is like i need to do this i need to accomplish this goal and stepping back and laughing at that is like maybe you know the first step towards having that greater appreciation of the Tao, right i like that yeah yeah I think also doing what you're, you're allowed to do what is necessary to survive. Like I don't right, have yeah, yeah. the impression yeah. that you're supposed to go off and starve yourself in a cave and live a life of just contemplation. Right. Yeah. Because he does talk often about people and rulers living their lives and traveling yeah, and the, working and harvests. Uh, the, the sage that uh, doesn't travel much is the one who has access to much more and knows more about the world. Right. Right. But that right. sage still has, a home, it right. seems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they're not, they're they don't still... have, you don't have to go out on a big spiritual journey or something to achieve this kind of Taoist. To find yourself. Right. And yourself. you also, I don't think, have to be a really you know, severe ascetic starving yourself. And right, that yeah. also actually seems like the opposite problem. There, there's a lack of moderation there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. 
Um, yeah. I, it, uh, do we have any closing thoughts? Well, I never got to say what I thought the Tao was. Oh, right. Yes. Is that your closing thought? It doesn't have to be. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No. I have, I mean, I have more thoughts and questions. No, so. I'm curious. What, what do you think the Tao is? So I did not think of it as something physical. I thought of it as maybe some sort of abstract ideal, very fuzzy on that. What seemed clear, clearer to me was internally the faculty that recognizes the Tao is intuition. So mm. somehow the Tao seemed to me very connected to human intuition. It is something that we can know and access, but not in analytic. Yeah. We can't analyze it, it. It's just because we can't name it doesn't mean that we can't access it in some way. Right. And you can also cultivate a stronger relationship to it. Um, I like that. I like, like that interpretation. Yeah. I mean, in the law, we call that judgment, but they're right. basically the same. You've cultivated a sense of explanation or of what to do or of what's right that you can't necessarily right. articulate. Can you imagine a Taoist judge? <laughs> how, I how, definitely cannot imagine a Taoist attorney. How fucking long those court cases <laughs> would be. How fucking... Can you just be just like... Uh, it just introduces a third party. Uh, <laughs> like, like, why do we have to have just a plaintiff and a defendant? Yeah. Like, why can't we have a third? <laughs> why all these dichotomies? Yeah. <laughs> These things just are as they are, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just in a very Alan Watts way, like, these things are as they are, you know, <laughs> I, oh God, yeah. So I found something that um, can help us out a little bit understand how we're supposed to live in communion with one another and with um, the earth. It's 30, number 30. So I'm going to skip through the first part of it and read the last part of the first stanza then go from there just do what needs to be done never take advantage of power achieve results but never glory in them achieve results but never boast achieve results but never be proud achieve results because this is the natural way achieve results but not through violence force is followed by loss of strength this is not the way of the Tao. That goes which against the Tao comes to an early end. That which goes against the Tao. Sorry, that which goes against... Yeah, I can't read. Um, it's very hard to read out loud and think at the same time. I don't do... Uh, I can't it multitask. Is. <laughs> yeah. I can't multitask. Um, you know, and it's a lot easier. It's like, oh, just be like a bee. You know, it's a lot easier to think that way and reading this. is like, oh, like how, like how would a bee live? Like, it does all these things... But it doesn't ever I mean not that it could, but like it just does these things just to do these things. It knows you know? what it has to do and it does it. It knows what it has to but do. But it's and it not it. you know, flattering itself about it. It's not seeking glory. It's not proud. It's just doing his bee things. Just doing the bee things. So how do we live with this in mind in a, with this in mind, how do we live in a Western society? Where should we stay at our jobs? And definitely not stay at our jobs. <laughs> definitely fuck that. Um, you know, just keep doing as we are doing. How do we... I think you should start that way. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing because anything else would require almost too much thought and that right. would take you away from the experience of the present. Like this, yeah. this comes back to the fruit and the flower, right? Right, yeah. 
the flower or the fruit is in the present. So that's what you should do. Right. So whatever you have to do now, you should do and keep doing. Yeah, because you can't, you know, you can't force spontaneity. You can't, you know, will non-action into being. So it's it's almost like you read the, the part of the reason why I think that it, something like this is probably frustrating for for someone that's approaching an analytic frame of mind is because you want to like get something you want to from a philosophical text. You want to be like, I'm going to change my life in this way. I'm going to whereas the Tao Taoism is just like you know you walk away from it and everything's the same but different too. different yeah but like you you can't you can't take it and and you know have an action item off of it or something right i think that's what i mean i think my frustration has been pretty clear throughout this episode but it's actually been the happy frustration that there is such a thing because it's it's a very challenging way of thinking but it's also very useful to be able to say to just let go. And I was starting to see how that can be very beneficial because it's not, I know that I don't need to know everything. I know that not everything will be known to me and I'm not going to know how the rest of the things around me work. But if I can know what's going on with me and in me, then I'll be good. Then I'll be good. And being able to say that this thing is bad helps me avoid it. How is the Tao fitting into this? The Tao fits, it's that I don't have to, it's hard to like let go and say, just do, just, just, just live. If that makes any sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. It is very hard. Because it's just, yeah, because it, it's very hard to say, that, yeah, that's a bad thing and this is a good thing. You know, like that drink that if you want to have, that's a bad thing. You know, it's best not to do it on this side as opposed to like the drink is a drink, you know. So wait, in some ways it's easier to say the drink is bad and here's what it is to be good. I think and it's harder to be like, flow. I think it's they're both the same and I need to set aside this whole question. Part of it is confusing because I have a very hard time understanding it and have an extremely hard time explaining it. I'm really not trying to, you know, beat around the bush and like, you know, go about this in a long winded way because I barely understand this book. I, th- I think at all. I think we're all there. I feel like <laughs> I, I need to it perfectly. But, <laughs> uh, it it uh, not to bring context too much you know, into this, but it, you can, you can totally see how like, this is great advice if you're living in a very chaotic time, right? As you know, people were in sixth century China with the world was falling apart. Seemingly chaos is everywhere. Dichotomies are like a, a fact of life. And, and it seems like, it seems like Taoism and, and this text in particular is something you would go to, a time of your life where you're really uncertain, you're really, I don't know, uh, confused or like, like I could see it having like a, a really good psychological benefits. You know, if you're in the midst of like, if you're in a mindset of like, I have this project I'm working on, like doubt, like this text is not maybe not going to help you with that. Well, I mean, it's yeah. like stoicism did in the West and like, uh, know some forms of cognitive behavioral therapy also do it turns the focus on 
what you, how you think about something as right. opposed to giving you an assignment of going out and changing the world. Exactly. So it is very, can be very comforting. A, it is also frustrating and alienating right, and difficult yeah. as well. I mean, right, it's both, yeah. Right? It's, it's not like these pop psychology things. It's like the secret of serenity. Five tips to be the more smoother you. Like it's, it is difficult to get there, but, but the end result is something similar. I think, you know, a mindset shift is a good way. Yeah, it definitely is a mindset shift. And I think as Caroline said, you know, you have to be, you have to be very, it, it's a very conscious shift too. And I think that it's something that you have to do and that you have to practice, not do, you have to practice it. I don't think you can ever fully get to the Tao. Yeah. If you can't ever fully describe it, you can't ever fully get to it. Yeah. I feel that it's something that you would have to practice daily, hourly, to truly understand it and truly live in that manner. And the first fashion. person who gets to the Tao wins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no.